Hey everyone, this is Pat with the Cast Right Catholic Podcast, and today I want to talk about happiness. And specifically, I want to talk about the connection between happiness and communion. So why do I want to talk about that now? Well, first of all, I think that it's probably the most important and apt question for us to ask in our humanity at any point in time in the year, that our true end as human beings, the true end of our existence in our life is happiness. That's where we're going. That's what it is to be human, is to, is to be created for happiness. So you can ask that question any time of the year, and it's perfectly apt. It's a great question. But why specifically do I want to address it now? We just celebrated the Feast of the Ascension or Ascension Sunday. Um, If you are in just a couple dioceses, you celebrated Ascension Thursday, which is traditionally when Ascension is celebrated because uh, it happened 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus. So 40 days after Easter. But most dioceses have moved the celebration to Sunday. So you you probably celebrated the Ascension at Mass this past Sunday. And I have a, a really good friend who always likes to say that Jesus ascended into the sacraments. Sometimes I think we can have this image of the Ascension as Jesus going up into the clouds, going up into the sky, and there he goes far, far away from us into some never, never land. But that's not actually the reality of what happened. Jesus doesn't ascend away from us. He ascends closer to us. That the ascension prepares the church for the perfection of his presence in the sacraments. Jesus ascends into the sacraments. That's why at the end of the Gospel of John, when Jesus encounters Mary Magdalene at the tomb on that early morning of Easter Sunday, He says, don't yet cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. And the implication is that when he ascends to his Father, he's going to be even closer to her than she is able to get to him in that moment. That there is a proximity and a communion that transcends even the reunion that they experience on that morning after his resurrection. That when he ascends to his Father and sends forth his Spirit, he's going to fill and perfect his presence in the sacraments so that his life can actually be inside of us. So that we wouldn't only cling to him, but his heart would beat inside of our own heart. His life would pulse through our own body. That's the great, incredible mystery of the sacraments. And so I want to talk about what that communion has to do with happiness. Another thing that sort of spurred this question for me, uh, or this desire to talk about happiness, is last night I was actually sitting on my deck with my wife and reflecting on life. And I asked her, what in high school, we were high school sweethearts, what was your understanding of success? What was your expectation of what a successful life would look like for you when we were in high school? You know, I, and I 
I ask that because I really think that whatever our measure of success is, is probably closely related to what we believe happiness is. I would think it's not too far to guess that most of us would think that a successful person is going to be a happy person and that a happy person is someone who's been able to achieve some measure of success in their life, that those two things go together. And so how we understand what it is to be successful is probably not far off from what we think it is to be happy. And I know that how we measure success is something that we have discussed in previous podcasts, um, but we didn't necessarily explicitly make that connection to happiness. And as I was thinking, uh, I, I realized that probably in history, the history of the world, of every culture, every nation, every person, I think every individual who's ever lived probably has a concept of happiness that fits into one of four categories. Those four categories are honor, wealth, pleasure, and contemplation. I think every person who's ever lived probably has a concept of happiness, an idea of happiness that fits into one of those four categories, honor, wealth, pleasure, and contemplation. When I was thinking about this for myself, answering the question that asked my wife, I realized that for me, success, the way I understood or assumed success to be, what I expected a successful life for me to look like, was a life of influence. That I wanted to be influential. I wanted to be a change maker. Someone who went out into the world and made change, made the world better for other people. And that really what I wanted in that was a species of honor and wealth. Wealth, maybe not in the sense of accumulating goods and material things, but uh, acquiring some sort of power, accumulating some sort of power and influence to myself. And, And that really what I desired out of that was the honor that would come with it, the respect And that that respect from other people around me would enable me to have even more influence, to do good things. And that doesn't sound all that bad. And in fact, honor, wealth, and pleasure are really not bad things per se. Pleasure is good. It's good to experience pleasure. It's good to be honorable and to be respectable. But there was something that I noticed in all three of those, honor, wealth, and pleasure, that made them distinctly different from contemplation. And that's that honor, wealth, and pleasure all center upon me. It's all, for the most part, about me being able to acquire something for myself, an experience that I want to have, that I believe will be pleasurable that I want this for myself, I need to experience this, or this thing that I want to accumulate, this thing that I want to be able to do to attain or obtain the respect and honor of the world around me. It was all about what I would do, what I would acquire, what I would be in and of myself. But there's something different about contemplation. And contemplation 
it struck me, is the only one of those four categories that requires the existence beyond myself of something beautiful, of something admirable, of something good. It was the, the only one of those four that required the existence of something that was worth contemplating, worth gazing upon, worth holding before my mind and thinking about. And that was just a really interesting realization to have. And in Christianity, in the context of the Christian narrative and the gospel, contemplation takes on, obviously, an even greater significance. You see, in, in Christianity, we really deeply believe that we are human persons and fundamental to our nature as persons is that we are gift. A gift is meant to be given and it's meant to be received. That persons, fundamental to their nature, require an exchange. It's persons who can be lonely. It's persons that seek and thrive and need encounter with an other, with the other. That Persons require something more than simply themselves to be complete, to truly fulfill their nature, to become fully what they are. And, and so God is not just one person. He's three persons in one God because he's complete and perfect within himself. He has that exchange of persons occurring within his own being as the Trinitarian Godhead. And so persons, we require that encounter. We require that exchange because fundamental to our nature is that we are gift. And so the heights of contemplation are actually communion. That the heights of contemplation is communion with the other. It's to not only gaze upon but encounter and exchange persons with that which transcends, that which is more beautiful, that a person is gift and mystery to be known, not conquered, to be received and given to in a mutual exchange. And I realized that of those four, honor, wealth, pleasure, contemplation, that the only one that could actually take account of our humanity, our existence as person, was contemplation. That so often I think of my own happiness accidentally, even in my subconscious, in terms of honor, wealth, and pleasure, but that it's only through contemplation and reaching the heights of contemplation in communion that my nature is actually fulfilled, that I can actually attain my true end, which is happiness. That communion is essential to happiness, and communion is the heights of contemplation. And so Jesus ascending into the sacraments, preparing for the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and preparing for the celebration of the Feast of Corpus Christi, is pointing us in the direction of our true happiness, 
which unravels in the context of encounter, that exchange of persons, and that most intimate and secret exchange of persons that Mary Magdalene sought on that early Sunday morning thousands of years ago, which is that encounter with the one who loved us into existence, who created us for himself. And so then the question that I naturally had out of that is, okay, well, if contemplation is really the only true avenue to my end, to happiness, and the heights of contemplation are communion with Jesus Christ, then how do I practically begin to set out on that way? How do I begin to change? And the only way is if we have a wholesale change in the habits of our mind, that we actually need our minds to change. And this is a whole huge topic in which we have to make a a fundamental shift from self-centered to Christ-centered. And that's why those, those first three concepts of happiness, honor, wealth, and pleasure, they are inadequate because they are going to place us at their center. And contemplation is the only one that can place, that requires the existence of someone else that is worth beholding, worth, worth gazing upon. And so the first thing is we have to resist the temptation to understand happiness in our life through those first three. The first thing we have to do is to resist temptation, the temptation to understand happiness in our life in one of those other three ways. And I don't think it's too far of a stretch to begin to imagine the ways that we all do um, habitually fall into thinking about success and happiness in terms of those things. And the best analogy is probably social media because it's the, it's the easiest for, for most people to grasp. But when we look at social media and we think, oh man, they're experiencing this thing, they must be happier than I am. Or, oh man, they're uh, living in this neighborhood. They've bought this house. They took this vacation. They must be happier than I am. Or, wow, they got noticed. They were noticed for this thing that they did. That must feel so good to be noticed that way, to be honored in that way. They must be happier than I am. That in all of those observations that we can have a tendency to make, we're degrading our nature as gift and reducing our concept of happiness to something that can never actually fulfill the capacious dimensions of our humanity. We've got to resist that temptation and remember that it's only through communion that our nature is fulfilled, that we can actually attain to that true end of happiness. The second thing is to begin to see our life as a great response to the call and love of another. We have to begin to conceive our life as a great response to the call and love of another. St. John says in his first epistle, we love because he loved us first. To recognize each day the love of a God for us that longs to encounter us, that seeks us, pursues us. And our life is a great response to that love. Receive the person of Jesus Christ and make an authentic donation 
of ourselves back to him, knowing that he will receive us because we are gift made to be given and received. And because Jesus is gift who has been given and longs to be received. And so to see our life as a great response to his love. And then the third thing out of that is to begin to see all the parts of our life, all the people in our life, all the events of our life, all the tasks of our life as places of encounter. When I wake up in the morning after I have my morning prayer routine, I gotta go get Luke, my son, out of his crib. And I think when I'm finishing up my prayer, I think to myself, Jesus, I, I believe that you are calling me to love you in my son. I want to go meet Christ in my son. In the same way with, with my wife. Same way with washing dishes at the end of dinner. That in the performance of that task, that menial, basic human life task of just washing dishes, that I'm entering into a place of encounter where through that work that's a labor of love, I can encounter Jesus Christ. I can make a gift of myself to my family and I can meet the one who teaches us how to make ourselves a gift to others. And so those three things, I think, are just a starting point for beginning to form new habits of our mind, new ways of thinking about our life and remembering the true avenue to happiness. And that's resisting the temptation to believe happiness is achieved through one of those other three ways, wealth, honor, pleasure. Not saying those things are bad, but just realizing that they're not the way to truly fulfilling our nature as human persons, to seeing our life as a great response to the love of God, and then to recognize that call to love and recognize every part of our life, every person in our life, every task of our life as a place of encounter where we meet Christ and where we make a gift of ourselves in love to others. I hope that makes sense, guys, and is edifying and inspiring on this Wednesday as we prepare for Pentecost and then in a couple weeks, the Feast of Corpus Christi. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this has been the Cast Right Catholic Podcast.